Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 74. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I'm also the host of this podcast, and I've been a full-time digital nomad since 2017, where I've been able to live and work in 44 states. It's been pretty amazing. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is full of travel while you're still working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Emily and we get to find out what it's like after spending seven and a half years in Australia, moving back home and how van life helped with that transition. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Emily to the show. How are you, Emily? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking back. Uh, believe it or not, sometimes people don't ask back, and it's nice. Oh, that's <laughs> not polite. Well, I think you're. You, sometimes you're a guest, so you're just in guest mode where I'm going to be asked questions, and I need the answer, so thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm doing quite well. Um, where are you in the world right now? I am um, on the Sunshine Coast in BC, in Canada. Nice. All right. So you're over there, eh? Um, I am, eh? It's the an old dad joke. You know what the difference between a New Yorker and a Canadian is? No. It's where the A is. So it's A, get off my car, and Canada's get off my car, A. That's the only difference. <laughs> it's just where they place their A. That was a good dad joke. I, normally I, love, a dad joke. Da- I love a good dad joke. <laughs> there you go. Um, you consider yourself full-time, part-time, sometime? I lost you. Sorry, I'm going to ask it again. I dropped you for a second. Okay. All right. So do you consider yourself a full-time, sometime, or part-time? Full-time. Nice. And uh, what are you traveling and living in? I live in my converted um, ProMaster 2500, 159 place. Wow. You really went for the, the details on that. We'll definitely get into that just so everyone knows exactly what that is. But when did you go f- full-time? When did like travel become like a, a serious part of your lifestyle? I moved into the van full-time um, mid-November. So I got it um, mid-October, but you know, by the time I um, moved everything in and got ready to go. It was, it was about a month after that. So yeah, mid November, 2020. Nice. So you're freshly kind of new to the lifestyle. Um, people like to use their term newbie. I, I don't because I don't remember being a newbie apartment renter or newbie homeowner. You know what I mean? (laughs) But for whatever reason, this lifestyle, people are like, Oh, you've been doing less than a year. You're a newbie. I think fresh is different because you're still in that kind of learning curve stage, which, I hate to tell you, you know, continues on even after past year one. But yeah, I'm a bit of a toddler, I would say. <laughs> there you go, I love uh, it. <laughs> still trying to like learn how to walk, learn how to do everything. So, oh, that makes sense. Let's uh, let's go back to you know October 2020, and obviously before, uh, where were you living? What were you doing? And then what made you have the idea to? move into a, a Ram Pro Master 2500 with a 159-inch <laughs> wheelbase? Um, well, I was, um, at the start of 2020, I was um, living overseas in Australia. Um, and then the pandemic hit, and so I had to move back to Canada. Um, and so I was living in Vancouver, kind of not knowing what 
was going to come next uh, and thought I would just travel in a van. That sounded like a, a good idea at the time. <laughs> Were you like renting or owned a place in Canada or was it? No, I was um, living in an Airbnb because I had like no job, no plan. Um, because of the pandemic, I couldn't live with any family or friends. So I was just living in a basement suite Airbnb, um, kind of on a, almost like a week to week basis that ended up being about four months of week to week basis um, wow. <laughs> while I tried to sort my life out. Gotcha. Now, how long were you in Australia? Cause I, I, I don't want to say that I'm really good at accents, but I am picking up that it sounds like you might've been there for a while. There's a little bit of like an, an, like an Australian tang, if I can say that. You, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was there for almost eight years. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I think my, I don't have an Australian accent, but my Canadian is a bit softer than some would probably uh, have. How often do you say sorry? Oh, I say it like all the time. Okay, so you're still Canadian. Um, so you're 100%. I am very Canadian <laughs> yeah. in that, yes. <laughs> okay. And it, it's it's not with a Y. It's like with two E's, right? It's sorry or something. I, 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 do, I don't <laughs> sorry. know. Sorry. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's really, I mean, so obviously you were already traveling quite a bit and then going into a van. Um, you're in Canada. How's that going right now for you traveling? Uh, well, we're, we've been under travel restrictions since I picked up the van. So um, I haven't gone anywhere <laughs> um, because in BC, at least, we're under uh, kind of, uh, we would really prefer if you didn't go anywhere restrictions because we're so polite in Canada. We don't want to enforce anything mandatory. Um, but right now for the last couple of months, we actually have been under, you know, you have to stay in your own district. So, um, yeah, haven't, haven't actually gone, gone anywhere that hasn't been essential for either, you know, work or, um, medical purposes or just to like get the van, um, done. Gotcha. So what is, let's say we were living in a time where, there were no restrictions. What is the plan for kind of travel? Where do you plan to go with this man? Dang it. Why is this internet so bad? Right I had seen so much of Australia, um, but not very much of Canada. So I wanted to travel from coast to coast um, and do, you know, a big lap of Canada. So staying, staying home, that's really interesting. I feel like the more times I talk to the Canadians, they're about trying to get down into the lower 48. So that's cool to hear that you want to do kind of your own country first. Yeah, so the main plan was to just do Canada. and um, But I you know, had a skewed sense of weather, not being here for eight winters. Um, and so you know that plan will kind of adjust to uh, getting down to see you guys for the winter portion and then popping back up when we thaw out and finishing off the trip. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I've, I've really been wondering, you know, during this whole thing, how like the Canadian brothers and sisters that are definitely snowbirds, how they've been like cooping being in probably, you know, maybe their first full winter that they haven't had to experience, especially people that just have done this on the regular. So, but I, I want to bring up a good point that, you know, just you talking about, you know, wanting to go coast to coast in Canada, 
I feel like almost anyone I talk to, when you talk about like traveling, it's always going outside of your home country. And I feel that's actually probably, you know, it, it's so smart to travel in your own country first and get kind of a feel for it. Cause there's, it doesn't matter where you're from. It really doesn't. There's amazing things to see in the country you live in. And, uh, you know, I just, I, it's funny that people always want to go to, you know, they always want to go to Rome. Like that's the, I want to go to Rome. I want to go to Europe, <laughs> but they've never left their state here in the States. And I'm like, I'm, I'm at a place right now that if I went kayaking into these little caves, you would think I was in Greece and I'm in Utah, but that's just how amazing some of these little areas are. And I always talk about that. Wow. Yeah. You can just find so much in your own area. How was the transition? I mean, it sounds like you know, well, when, you're, you're going from a basement to a, a van, but what was that transition like for you? Was it a big deal? Not a big deal? More space in the van than in the basement? How was that? <laughs> um, it was actually much harder than I thought. Um, I've lived pretty compactly for the last, you know, 10 years, um, kind of. 300 square feet or less. So I thought, Oh, the van will be no problem. Um, it'll just be like moving into a small space, but it's not, um, as anyone that lives in a van will know, um, everything is different. You have to think about everything. I've I've never had to think about where my water comes from or where it's going to go. Um, I've never had to make sure everything is secured before I, because I've never had to move my house before. Um, so it was, it was a huge learning curve for me. And, um, it was those, those first few months were pretty hard. Uh, I think I was too hard on myself is probably the best way to describe it. I actually think that's probably really good observation. I think we all are, or, or we go into it with the wrong expectations. And I think that's why at the end of the show, I like doing that high, low, it's because if all you do is look at other people's Instagrams, the lifestyle just looks amazing. And then even when you were talking about water, yeah. water in and out, obviously I have the same issue, but it's not nearly the micro kind of or macro issue it is for you because you have smaller tanks than I do. So even though, yes, it's my first time of, you know, understanding water, I have a hundred gallon fresh. I'm pretty sure you probably don't have a hundred gallon fresh in your van. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a lot of water to have. <laughs> it is, but I, you know, and, and, and so really if you are listening and maybe you don't own an RV or you're thinking about, you know, whether it's an RV or a van, this is one of the things that's really interesting that even though we all have similar where, you know, we have to have water that we can use for washing dishes, brushing our teeth, taking showers, it, it is different in the sense like how often you have to get water. And, but you can go to areas that I can't, the place that I'm at in Lone Rock I'm so far away from the water because of the size of my rig, but I do see people with, you know, four by four vans and Jeeps and, you know, things of that nature that are right at the water. I mean, they can step out of their van and walk four feet and they're in the water. So it's a completely different experience for them uh, than it is for me, which is always interesting. And, and again, I've talked about on the show. That's why I called it rootless instead of full-time RV or for, you know, full-time whatever because I think people can do it in such different ways or um, where you can get to. Yeah. It's totally different. Um, yeah, I'm going to make a little note to edit this out. So we are, it's my internet that I'm losing. And I don't know if it's just because AT&T, but a lot of times it does pick up. So, um, okay. yeah, if you ever lose me, just let me know. But 
a lot of times, even though I lose hearing you, the recording gets it. So, um, for whatever reason, okay, I just keep getting that my internet (laughs) connection is unstable. So, um, all right. So it sounds like it was, even though you were going from, you know, a small footprint. I mean, most of my guests are going from, you know, 1800 square feet, 2,500 square feet to 300 square feet. Um, even going from 300 mm-hmm. to a van, it sounds like that was still a lot of work. Obviously, I do love that you're being transparent, mm-hmm. that it was difficult in the beginning, kind of figuring it all out and getting into uh, a rhythm. How is the, even with restrictions, how's the rhythm been for you as of late? Like you, you're hitting this, you know, just over six month mark. How's that been? Uh, it's gotten way better. Um, I think I really, uh, as I said, I was felt pretty hard on myself. So once I kind of took a step back, um, I had to be pretty, I guess, um, stationary for a while, just with some issues that were with the van and then with restrictions. So I was able to, um, be in a very safe place where I could, you know, have access to water, have access to power and really almost, um, test things out so I could test, test my water abilities, unplug for a few days and see how that went. And, um, just taking it really slowly and not rushing myself. Um, and then once I, once I felt comfortable, I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Let's not, um, not plug in anymore. Let's, let's just wing it. And, um, once I got that kind of confidence, um, it's been great. So already you're dropping some really great tips. The other tip that maybe just didn't pick up that she was basically sharing is even though she was in an area where she had access to water, she allowed herself to test what it would be like without water to get an idea of how long she could one last, you know, bringing water in and then, you know, stuff going out um, is really smart. A lot of people don't do it, especially if they're going to be doing boondocking. And I see them in Facebook groups, like how long can I boondock? And it's, it's such a vague and ambiguous question based on your rig and your usage that just next time you're at a campground, just discon- you know, fill up your fresh, disconnect from the water and use it like you normally would. And you'll find out how many days that takes. Yeah, I was actually, um, I didn't have a battery monitor when I first got my van. So I had no concept of what my batteries were at. Um, I've got AGM batteries, so they can only go to 50%. It was the dead of winter. There is no sun in Canada. So the so- there was no solar. So I had no concept of what I was using. So I was just like, got to plug in every chance I get everywhere I go, I need to plug in. Then once I installed the battery monitor, I was like, Oh, I'm fine. Like I don't have to plug in. I haven't plugged in since February. Um, and that's when I got the battery monitor installed. So kind of having those little tools and things that will show you how much battery you have, how much solar you're getting, um, anything that can help you, um, and gives you that confidence, that peace of mind. But yeah, I, I used to love testing it and testing my water. And then all of a sudden I'd go to make a coffee and there's nothing left. And I was like, Oh, well, good thing I have a tap right outside. I guess I'll just fill it up now instead of driving around with tons of water and tons of weight in the van. No, no doubt. I, that would be really, I mean, I had a fuel gauge and a bug in the 1980s that didn't work and, and it was such a nightmare and it was so stupid because it was like literally like a $20 fix. And I think I went like a year and a half with living this life where I'm, you know, just always about to run out of gas. And 
I remember thinking to myself, okay, I know I'm probably at a quarter tank and I went to install the new gauge and it was like three quarter of a tank. So I'd always been off probably and driving myself nuts for no reason. So that makes sense. <laughs> How much solar do you have in the van? I've got 300 Watts on the roof. Okay. Um, but in Canada, that's pretty much like zero in winter. So <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Do you have a, like a, an external generator that you can use to charge the batteries if you have to? Um, I've got, um, my alternator is hooked up. Okay. Um, as well as if I were to plug into shore power, those, that would top up my batteries as well. So when you're driving, you're able to charge your batteries and then when you get to the next spot, you're good to go for, I mean, you I'm, might, yeah. yeah, I mean, overnight, um, just as an example, the la I mean, it's been sunny here. I'm um, shockingly, but you know, overnight I'll drop down about only about 4%. Um, and I drive about five minutes and I'm topped up. So, um, it's a pretty, pretty easy top up for me. Um, I, I guess knock on wood, but I, I don't, as a, just, just me in the van, I don't go through too much electricity. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how I go next winter. Yeah, no doubt. Especially when there's no, there's no sun and it's, it's, <laughs> do you know how many, uh, batteries you have that are putting out that kind of percentage? Yeah. So, so I've got the 300 Watts on the roof of solar and then I've got 440 amp hours of AGM nice. batteries underneath. Yeah. That's, that's actually a pretty decent setup for, yeah, <laughs> it is, I mean, you're yeah. not, you're, there's not like a, the only AC that you have for the van is when the the van's actually on and driving, or is there an AC that can run off the batteries? Um, I've got an inverter, so I can plug all my stuff in, um, either when I'm driving or when I'm not driving. Nice. Very cool. And I just, you know, again, AC in Canada, I don't know how big of a deal that is either. How often you guys would have to actually. Oh, it. actually, sorry. No, you mean like air conditioner? Yeah, like an actual air conditioner. Do you have. Oh, yeah. No, we don't have that in Canada. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I thought you meant like AC power. Or like... ACDC. Yeah, <laughs> no, I totally get it. Because yeah. that, it's funny. Yeah, no, we don't even have. I don't have air conditioning. We don't need that. We just open the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. No, it's funny that I, I guess the big conversations I see going on with solar is, you know, especially within, let's say, a, you know, a travel trailer is can it run the ACs? And I'm always that guy that's like, just get solar to be able to where you don't have to run a generator, watch TV or to, you know, make a cup of coffee or to charge your laptop. But if you need AC, then that's when you plug in, you know, a generator, a quiet mm -hmm. generator on the outside. And so I was just wondering, because I don't know really a lot about vans and if they have those separate systems. I would assume someone traveling here in the States probably does have some sort of AC unit and they probably just turn the van on for a little while, cool things down and then go back to what you said, open a door or turn a van on kind of a thing. Well, I actually met some people um, here in BC that had just bought, you know, like a kitted out um, name brand version of my same van and they were saying theirs has an AC unit in it and they said we want to take it we want to take the AC out but we don't want a big hole in the roof but we don't need it here in Canada <laughs> yeah I think there's some pretty uh, so. like super fans that you can put into vans that really do a good job keeping you know the airflow and keeping it cool when it's just at that point where things are feeling stuffy you know, instead of opening a door or yeah. window, you can have that. It's still very kind of, you know, 
covert, like people aren't going to know if you're trying to be, you know, stealth in your van that it's, you know, it looks like a, a live-in van. But even ours, we, we have probably the basic kind of fan in our kitchen. And I was reading recently, there were some fans that do a much better job with actual airflow that you can upgrade and put into. So that's definitely. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a great fan. Um, it, it sucks air out, pushes it in. As soon as you open up a, a window, there's a cross breeze. Um, a lot of people in the, in vans will put in two one at each end i just have one um kind of near my cooking but it does a great job of cooling down if i turn that on it cools it down but as i say i mean we're we're not too hot here on the bc coast so (laughs) that makes sense and then uh did you do most of the build out was it did it come to you build out like explain kind of what you had to do for this rig uh so i designed it myself i designed the layout um and i mean the the i designed i would say 85 90 percent of it and the builder had to you know tweak things based on just actual physical wood um but i did have a builder because i can barely use velcro um like if i built this thing i would have like no limbs and eye patch and no van (laughs) Velcro comes in really handy though. So at least you have that skill set. <laughs> so. But sometimes even that is beyond my, <laughs> my <funny>. forte. <laughs> have you, so you, you'd never lived in a van before, obviously. Have, did you make any mistakes or are there things now that you wish you would have done differently knowing what you know now? So right actually before the pandemic, probably about six weeks before the pandemic, I took a random um, camper van trip um, in Australia. And uh, I, when I was in the van, I was just thinking, this is just such a terrible use of space. I don't like this. I don't like that. If I was to build a van, which wasn't even on my radar, I would do this. And then, you know, fast forward four months and I've decided to build a van and I thought, oh, I didn't like that and I didn't like that and I said I would do this if I was to build my own van. So renting the van in advance is why I always tell people, like, if you're curious, if you want a a convertible bed or a permanent bed or, you know, this kind of layout or this size, rent vans. Go on a a holiday for a week in a van and see, see what works for you, see what doesn't work for you because that's how I came to my layout and my layout I think is a little bit different than a lot of people, but, um, it really works for me and it's very spacious and kind of by living in small apartments and by taking that one trip, um, I was able to, you know, focus in on what was important to me and how I live my lifestyle and build or design a van around that. Yeah. I would say that the one thing that in regards to, it doesn't matter really, class A's or any kind of, you know, pull behind, is the bedroom is really wasted space after you sleep. And I feel like they could learn a lot from, you know, smaller rigs and vans where that could really be multi-purpose, that literally the bed could go away and it could be something else. Because really, besides sleeping, there's you just don't go into the bedroom. And it's no different than, and that's not a shocker because that's most people's bricks and sticks experience too. You know, that once they're done sleeping, they usually don't go back into their room until it's sleeping time kind of a thing. And it's just funny that the industry hasn't picked up on that, especially from full timers that, 
you know, if we're out all the time and we could cut our size from 42 feet, feet which is mine, to 36 feet in a sense because it, the bedroom would be multi-purpose, would be really smart. So I, I do think yeah. the renting idea is is funny to me. I go back and forth. Um, I think the idea of renting something to figure out if it's the right rig for you and that I think is smart, but renting it to figure out if it's the right lifestyle I feel the learning curve is just too hard in that one week. That yeah, most people definitely. Just, yeah. <laughs> the, and not the not for the lifestyle because I mean you you're in holiday mode, so everything's romantic and dreamy. Mm. Um, but definitely just like the layout or the size, um, that kind of thing. If you're you know if you're tossing up between a, a trailer or um, you know a, a motorhome kind of kind of idea i think um yeah but definitely the lifestyle you need to live in it for a while before you really understand just how special and unspecial it can be <laughs> yeah i always say like i think i used to tell people like give it a one-year mark but even like give yourself a two-year minimum you know i mean i just feel like the investment that you do into building something out and then the lifestyle you know especially with you with a you know a smaller rig that even if you went back to a home base this could always be something that's part of your life do you have a time frame in like just how long you're going to be doing it or is it just open-ended? Um, well, it's kind of all uh, up in the air because originally I had, when I came back to Canada, I thought, great, I'll, you know, build the van out. Um, I'll give myself a year of kind of retirement and just driving across Canada and doing loop-de-loops and seeing what I like and maybe I'll find a place I want to live that I like. Um, and now that none of that's happening, I kind of think, oh, well, it's my home now, but I still want to do that. So I guess until I can do that, the time is, you know, getting pushed further and further back. So I was just actually talking about with some friends and a friend lives in Arizona and I was saying, yeah, so I, I think maybe I'll be there around this time. And she said, Oh, but that's so soon. And I said, no, 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 no. Like 2023 or 2024. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that one year has really gotten pushed back quite, quite far now. I'm going to give you a great piece of advice. If you go to Arizona, you're going to need AC. Just know that Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. time of the year. And, and this is being recorded in May. So just know that. Well, depends. I mean, if you're she's up in actually Flagstaff. Moved, she's actually moved to Colorado for the next six weeks so that she doesn't have to deal with the, the um, heat. So I figure I'll go in January. <laughs> It'll be perfect for a rig without AC. January is a must in Arizona. Um, so when we started the conversation, you talked about being uh, kind of unemployed and living in a basement, which is life goals. And then you're yeah. talking about <laughs> traveling, kind of retired. So let's transition into work because it sounds like, uh, and I'm just going to make a, a guess because there's no like background on this. It sounds like you've saved up some money and this was going to be kind of the thing you were going to do for a year without working. Um, is that true? Or, you know, fill me in if I'm wrong. Um, so I, when I came back to Canada, I, as I say, I kind of, um, needed a break. Um, so I had, you know, set aside, uh, some savings and some, some money that I had. Um, and I thought I'll, I'll do travel. Um, and the van as anyone can attest to that builds a van took twice as long to build and 
like cost twice as much. Uh, so then kind of the, the travel, the retirement life, you know, seemed like it was going to be um, a bit shorter. Uh, and then, you know, I, I didn't honestly didn't know what I was going to do because I couldn't travel. So uh, I, an opportunity fell kind of into my lap um, with uh, a job that sounded interesting. Um, and so now I've moved over to the Sunshine Coast where I'm living now. And I just live in the van and I work full time. Very, very cool. Now, also, too, for context, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, or you can put it in not an exact number. Um, you can put it in a range. But, Emily, how old are you? I am 42 and not afraid to tell people that. <laughs> Good. I, I didn't think you were, but you do have a very, and you've probably heard this, you have a very you know young-sounding voice. And what I just want to make sure is people listening, that they're not thinking they're listening to someone that's in their 20s. I mean, I've had those people on. There's nothing wrong with that. But... I just was getting that kind of vibe where, okay, there's a lot of a life experience here, even though you, the saying someone sounds young sound bad. It's just like a youthful voice. Like I always, I feel like I sound like I've smoked a pack of cigarettes my entire life and I've never smoked. You know what I mean? Just, like life has been tough. It's just grimy and salty. And you know, there's times where people meet me and they're like, oh, I thought you were going to be a lot older. I just recently turned 50, but even they think like, oh, I thought you're going to be a lot older than that. The way you just are grimy and salty. Um <laughs> Because I, I think a lot of people feel like they can't make these pivots in life, especially when they get past, I don't know, I want to say like 35. They start feeling like they just can't make pivots. The only pivot they have is retirement, like real retirement. And so I just wanted to pull that out because I think it's really great that in your 40s to be able to say, you know what, I need to, I need to make a little pivot. I need to make a change. I need to do things different. Um, and I think it's really great that you are. And then you're even kind of even flowing with it. I mean, obviously nobody wants to decide to take a year to travel during a pandemic and then it just hits and kind of messes obviously all the plans up. Um, but I just thought it was kind of important. Thank you for playing along. Some people, you know, age yeah. is still one of those things that's, I don't care if someone asks me, but there are people that, that do. And I think it's kind of interesting. Um, okay. So we're working. I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think also, yeah, I was just going to say, I think also too, like, um, I've always kind of done things later in life. I, you know, worked all through my twenties. So I, I didn't go backpacking until I was 30. And, and then when I turned 40, I kind of had that, you know, Oh, I don't really care what people think. I just kind of want to do things for me. And, um, and then when the pandemic hit, I thought, Oh, this is a great opportunity. You're not going to get another opportunity like this to, change your life completely, have, um, you know, brand new experiences and, you know, people kind of go, Oh yeah, it's pandemic. Oh, it makes sense that you took a year off. Oh yeah. It's a pandemic. It makes sense that you're, you know, doing X, Y, and Z because everybody was pivoting. So it was a good excuse, but I don't know. I, I guess in your forties, you're a bit more sure of yourself or as you get older, you're a bit more sure of yourself and you don't care as much what other people think. So. <laughs> no, I agree. I feel like a lot of us that are in this lifestyle, you know, I mean, I hate to like dumb it down to the matrix, but it's kind of like you have that moment where you just, you know, you took the blue pill and you decided not yeah. to live in that little bubble and be plugged in anymore. And I know it sounds weird, but it's, I think we were all fed the same kind of dream that you have to have this size house, this kind of marriage, this kind of career, this amount of kids. And, 
you know, there's a lot of people that didn't fall for the, the marriage kids thing and which is fine. I mean, we're, we are a very populated planet. We definitely need people that aren't <laughs> trying, are. like me. I, I stand before you with four children. So I was not one of the ones that helped with the less <laughs> of the planet, but I do feel like I am even at 50, I look back at that dream and that chase and all that kind of stuff. And it was such a waste. And I do hope the pandemic has, especially people that are, you know, gone remote, gone home and they're spending more time with family and friends or they're able to do, you know, maybe they can work out more since they're not commuting for 90 minutes a day or whatever it is. I do hope it is having a good ripple effect that will carry on for a long time because we really were in a matrix that none of us should be in. And I, I hope it starts a little bit of a revolution for this lifestyle and to have the confidence to say, you know, whether it's full-time, part-time or sometime, making some real changes in, in their work-life balance. Well, I keep saying that the pandemic is just kind of the the planet or Mother Nature or universe or whoever you believe is doing is puppet mastering. I just kind of think that it's that that pandemic is just their way of saying, "Okay, guys, you need to slow down. Right. You need to take a step back, and you need to sort yourself out because we can't keep going on the way we're going on." It's funny, I it was recently in the Grand Canyon and they have these like little cliff areas and there's signs like, you know, do not go beyond here, dangerous. And I'm always like, oh, why do we have those signs? Let's get rid of those people. <laughs> you know, like if, you, if you're really not smart enough to not see that that's an unstable like cliff that has like little gravel rocks and like you, know, you could see almost where someone tried to grab on for dear life and then probably didn't make it. We're keeping those people around. It's okay. Like we used to be able to thin the herd. <laughs> sounds terrible but every time i see those signs that's what i'm thinking of where it's like no get rid of that let if someone thinks it's okay to like go talk to a wild you know buffalo and get close and try to take a selfie let them like it's okay survival of the fittest exactly we need to stop helping these people no i love that i mean it's funny but true you know what i mean it's like one of those things that make a joke but it's also like like the electricity electric fence sign just like no just let them yeah let if, them touch if, it if a law has to tell you to wear a helmet on a motorcycle doing 80 uh, you know let them not wear one it's fine um okay so work you are working full-time does it keep you mm-hmm. is it remote or does it keep you you know where you have to stay nearby um it is so it's four on four off um in nice. a in a in-person setting. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, it's great to be able to have, you know, work. It's long hours, uh, but it still feels a bit part-time just having those four days off. Right. Um, but I do uh, stay in one place while I'm, while I'm working. So, you know, sometimes um, when I've got my four days off, I still will hang, hang out pretty close to the base and, and the town and, you know, just do laundry and do all that kind of stuff. Um, but once I get more comfortable with the area, I'm still pretty new here. Um, I'll probably venture off more and more on those, on those four days off for sure. What a great kind of schedule too. I mean, I, I've been talking a lot recently. I don't know why we work 40 hours a week. Like who, I think it's Henry Ford that kind of came up with that number and you know, that it's five days and you're off two. And I just think, you know, that we only have one life and it's kind of ridiculous that we spend five out of seven days working. And I just think what a, what a cool schedule. I used to have a, a four ten. where I had a four ten three three days off four ten, And that was actually a really cool gig 
because it really did give yeah. me so much time off, you know, to do things that you really do notice when you go back to a five, eight hour kind of shift. And then also too, what's, I mean, you can tell me, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, that the difference between um, having like a home base and a rig, if you have to load and unload everything, it's a lot of work. And so for someone that's already living stationary in their RV van, travel trailer, whatever, and then they get off work, it's so much easier just to wheel up and go and then come back. There's none of the loading, unloading that goes on with most people. So it's actually a really interesting lifestyle that I don't think most people look at and think about when they have a stationary, whether four day a week or five day a week kind of job that it's still, you know, you can really do a lot on the weekends that you can just wheels up and go for a weekend, come right back. And there's not that loading, unloading that everyone else has to deal with. Yeah. You're not like, you're not packing the the car and trying to fit everything in and figuring out where you're going to go and booking a place. You're just, you know, when I'm done work at six o'clock on uh, whatever day I'm done until I, I could, I could just drive straight up to work on my first day back and not, you know, you know, stay somewhere else and drive straight back to work and basically have five days, five nights away somewhere. So, um, it was, it was, there was a few key factors in the job. Um, one of them was the one major one was the four on four off. Another one was that, um, there was onsite parking that, you know, my boss was like, Oh, no problem. Park here and a shower in the office. Wow. So <laughs> I didn't really care what the job was at that point. He had me on those three points. Right. right. There's a shower in the office sold. No, but you don't understand. We yeah. talked about pay yet. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Shower. You had me a shower. That's amazing. <laughs> no, it really is. I do think that, you know, if, once you like, you're using it as like a, a wreck, it's completely different. So if people that are like using their vehicle as just recreational, and they're thinking about full time, it could be very stressful because they're, they're trying to think that they have to do that. And like, to your point, I mean, you could literally drive in that day, just park it and then come back later. And you know, if you had to plug in or do anything with the tanks, you can do that when you get off work. Um, it does make for a really interesting lifestyle that, that I hope most people start to think about. I even wish big companies like a, a Facebook or Google would start having campgrounds on their property and let people live this life. So they, cause if you yeah. can get away for the weekend it just, I mean, it sounds like your work does not hit you up during those four days. Is that a correct assumption that when you're off, you're off? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I got a, a text last night and um, my boss just said, you know, oh, it's, you're you're off. Um, I just wanted to check in. We'll talk when you're back. Nice. Uh, which working in, affecting you when you're not at work, um, even when you're on holidays. So it's kind of refreshing. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I think any job, like I, when I hear people making big pivots, they really pivot to a job that they don't have to take home. I mean, someone I recently interviewed, you know, worked for Amazon during the heavy months and then traveled the other like six months of the year, but they didn't have to take any of the work home with them. There was no emails or follow up. It's you go, you do your job, you leave your job. And th that's an amazing lifestyle too, that a lot of people, you know, there, there's a reason we used to have briefcases, you know, and you know, these bags, you're taking yeah. your work home with you, which is, I think it's stupid that kids take work home with them and do homework. It's even worse. Yeah. You're, you're getting paid to do it. Um, or not well, getting paid to do it. I think, I think a long time ago, not a long time ago, but there was a point when, you know, in my twenties, I really wanted to climb the ladder and, um, you know, get into those management positions and do all of that kind of stuff. And then I don't know, maybe 
six or eight years ago, I kind of had this thought of like, oh, no, I don't want to worry about work at the end of the day. And I don't want to um, have to leave the country just so people don't call me when I'm on holidays. I I don't mind someone else being my boss and me just doing the work for, for X amount of hours a day and not having stress. And I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> it is funny how we get really, we just seem to get smarter as we get older when it comes yeah. <laughs> to those things. The things that we thought were important, the the titles, even the income to the status mm-hmm. of things. You just, it's funny. Like I, I don't care about any of that. I literally, I like wearing a white shirt every day, you know, and they're different shirts. Don't get me wrong, but it's just the same style and cut. And I, <laughs> I don't care. There's not even a name brand to it anymore. Um, okay. So when you're not working and you're not traveling, uh, what are things that you like to do? So, I mean, when you're off work for those four days, what we like to refer to as exploring, um, what kind of hobbies you're doing, what are things you're interested in? Um, what are you doing? Um, well, to be completely honest, for the most part, being back in Canada, I've just been trying to reconnect with people I haven't seen in a long time. Um, mostly just spending time with family, um, especially over the winter. I was, I was very close in proximity to them. So just kind of getting getting to know my family again um, and my friends who have all had kids and getting to know their kids at a safe distance. Um, So that was a lot of my, a lot of my winter, a lot of uh, my first bits of van life. Um, And then just exploring BC again, it's, uh, you know, walking along the beach. It doesn't seem like anything very exciting, but Um, when you haven't kind of seen that coastline that you grew up with, um, or, you know, been in the forests, uh, I just love walking around the forests randomly and, um, walking along the beaches and trying to find, you know, new places to explore that are local. Um, and so it's just kind of getting back into being, I guess it was a bit of culture shock. So now I'm just kind of trying to get back into that Canadian culture mm. now, especially now that it's warmer out. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have this, like this three month window to kind of yeah, be out exactly. and doing things. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's cool. I mean, I, 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 I like, again, the transparency. I think a lot of times we want to hype it up. And I think, especially me being from the West coast of the States, there is something very magical about, the coast. And, you know, it wasn't something I lived within walking distance, but I would go quite often. And I really do like whether it's the West coast or the East coast or even the Gulf, there's just something different about it to be back there Mm -hmm. and just sit and enjoy it. And I do think a lot of people think that when you're full-time RVing or, you know, full-time in a van that life is bungee jumping and, you know, kayaking the rapids. Oh no. Yeah. And it's really, it's just about it being quiet and simple. A lot of the times. I was just going to say, I, I live a very quiet life. Um, you know, I can, I can be completely happy just going for a little wander through the forest and taking pictures of all the mushrooms and then coming back to the van and looking in my fauna book to see, you know, what kind of mushrooms I saw that day? What kind of moss did I see that day? And it's kind of dorky and it's kind of boring, but I'm happy with it. <laughs> right. And I think that's the real thing too, is I think sometimes we want our happiness to make other people get excited. And that doesn't have to be the measuring 
of what makes you happy. Like if someone's just like, oh, that sounds awful. That's fine. That's awful to them. That's mm-hmm. why they're not doing it. It's such a weird, it's such a weird phenomenon that we have. I mean, I, I tell a story, I, you know, I both my arms and my chest pretty much covered in tattoos. And I was in a pool with an older guy and he just looked at me and said, I hate tattoos. I think they're gross. And I was like, then don't get any. And he's like, oh, I know, but I'm talking about yeah. yours. But my tattoos have nothing to do with you. Yeah. They they're not on your body. Exactly. They're fine. Yeah. Like just your thing is you don't get tattoos. That makes you happy. And I think he, he actually, even though he was kind of, you know, pretty set in his ways, I think he had a little aha moment where it's like he feels that somehow my tattoos were for him or the way you yeah. live my life is for someone else. And it's not. Um, I will say that my newest kind of love is my hammock. Um, I have had a hammock, but a lot of campgrounds and places aren't allowing you to hang tree to tree. So, uh, oh, okay. Nikki bought these like hammock stands and I just, I, I love being able to go outside and sit in a hammock for 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. I mean, that's my, you hobby. sound like you really like the hammock. I do. It's my <laughs> hobby. I, I wish I could be an influencer for them, but I don't think I'm their demo. I think they want that real active. They just don't want some guy sitting out in front of his RV with a, with a hammock, but maybe they do. Um, I saw a guy actually, I saw a photo on Instagram the other day and the guy had put two posts on his either end of his roof and hung a hammock on the top of the roof of his van. And I thought that's, that looks terrifying to me, but it also looks very relaxing. (laughs) I think about that sometimes too, or again, when I know we were talking about, you know, the bedrooms are a waste of space when recently I, I taken a very long nap in the hammock and it, it's probably not long enough for me, but that's more to do with the, you know, the stand than the actual hammock. And I actually thought about that. I was like, why aren't we building more rigs with interior hammocks? Cause they are really nice to sleep in. And obviously they don't, I'm not talking about the one that's got like the wood that if you flip over, it flips you completely out like a pancake. Yeah. <laughs> like this would be impossible to flip me out of, but it's funny that we don't have those more. There's nowhere to, yeah, you're, see, you're starting to see more, but it is true. I mean, they're pretty easy if you just put up some put up some hooks that are, you know, strong. Right, or they're bolted from the outside and have some sort of reinforcement for sure. Like that's, yeah. yeah. It's very cool, but that's definitely my hobby. Um, we're going to transfer into a, a little high-low with you, a game I like to play. It's something I used to do with my kids just to remind them, even though they were 10 years different in age, uh, that they all kind of deal with some of the same stuff. And... So I like to do a start with a low, you know, obviously outside of the pandemic, um, flat tires and crappy internet, because those kind of came up mm-hmm. a lot in the beginning. What's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you just didn't see happening now that you've lived it? Um, for me, it was a lot to do with, um, I mean, I didn't, I, I said earlier, I didn't build my van because I don't have that building skill. Um, I also don't have any mechanic skill. Um, and so for me, there was a lot of issues with my van early on, um, in terms of my propane tank that I had mounted in terms of, you know, some things went wrong mechanically with the van and the, and the builds and just not knowing what was happening, how to fix it and having to rely on mechanic after mechanic and, anyone that's been to a mechanic will say they always say the guy before did a terrible job and they know how to fix it best. And then the next guy will say the guy before did a terrible job and they know how to fix it best. And, and just being a woman who looks young. um, And so maybe doesn't get taken very seriously. I had a lot of problems where people weren't 
believing me that there was a problem until going through multiple um, mechanics. And so for me, it was just really hard because I didn't have those skills. I couldn't say, this is what's wrong. Believe me. I was saying something is wrong. I need help finding out what it is. Um, and so for me, that was a huge challenge, uh, for the first probably three months that I was, that I had the van, um, from when I picked it up, um, even from day one. So that for me, I didn't expect it to, I guess, um, I guess I didn't expect it to affect me that much because I've always had cars and when something's wrong with the car, you take it to a mechanic, but a van, especially a, a converted van that isn't normal, um, is just such a different thing that, yeah, I, I just didn't really think that it would affect me as much as it did. And it was just a real struggle for the first few months. I actually, you know, ha had a, had an ad written up that was like, buy my van, please, because I no longer want to own it. <laughs> and that's rough because it's not, it's just that there's something wrong. And then obviously people say they can fix it. that can't. And you know, I, what I learned when I did the renovation in the RV, that just because people can renovate a home doesn't mean they can renovate an RV. Like that's something I exactly. never really thought of. And it's the same thing. Just because someone can mechanically work on a car doesn't necessarily mean they can understand there's no propane in a car, you know, there's mm -hmm. no waste tanks in a car. So there's things that they just don't know. And they'll kind of say, they do. I mean, luckily, knock on wood, um, we've been very fortunate with our rig. It hasn't had any made issues. But I will say that I was not, I had no builder experience or any mechanical experience. But this lifestyle has a learning curve where a lot of that you just really do have to jump on YouTube and try to learn as, as much as you can. Because it's just, mm -hmm. it, it's just one of those lifestyles that it's hard sometimes to find the help. And I do feel you're taking me back to like a Dateline or something or a 2020 where they would you know, bring a woman into the shop and then later on a man to the shop with the same problems. And the woman always was told that other things were wrong and she had to pay more. And I just was like, that's terrible. Like you should just take your rig in and it's just based on what's wrong with the rig, not the, what the person's wearing or who they are, their sexual, you know, gender or orientation. Like it's the weirdest thing that mechanics, they do that somehow. And there were some people that were very helpful and I'm, you know, so grateful to them. Um, but there was just others that like, it was such a mix that it really, it was like when you realize that, you know, you have to, um, take care of your own medical history and you, you know, you have to, you know, um, prompt your doctors to, to ask you questions and do tests. It was like that. It was like, Oh, people, no one's going to actually help me because they want to help me. I need to be following up on emails, following up on phone calls. No one's going to call me back. I need to be proactive about all of this. And it was just, I mean, I was brand new with a van. It's a, the biggest thing I've ever owned or driven. Um, and you know, it was just, it was hard to be living in it, but it was also harder to be living in it broken. So, um, it was just, yeah, it was a really emotional time and it was my first winter in Canada in eight years. And so I was freezing the whole time and that didn't help. <laughs> right. Especially propane issues in the winter is not yeah. the time to have it. No, for sure. You do bring up an interesting, just like segue when you're talking about like the medical stuff, 
Uh, one of the things that's always been so bizarre to me, and someone else did the call out, this isn't an original kind of call out, that when you see these ads for any kind of medicine, it's always like, ask your doctor if blank is right for you. That's the last thing I want to do with my doctor is start recommend, recommending like actual things that can help cure me. Like that's what the doctors, I shouldn't be going in and yeah. saying, what do you think of Luxfer? Do you think Luxfer would be good for me? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of Luxfer. Luxfer is probably exactly what you need. Like that's not what we should be doing. So just a weird, when you were talking about yeah, like they went, they went to medical school, not yes, me. Yes, they should be able to tell me what's wrong. I shouldn't be bringing in recommendations and ads I saw. Okay, <laughs> no. so let's uh, let's transition into a high so even with all of this and the pandemic and then, you know, the issues and stuff, what's been a high in the lifestyle that maybe you just didn't see coming or the, I can't believe this is my life kind of moment. I think just, um, I, maybe this is the wrong word, but I think just like the portability of it. Um, because I, because I didn't have any plans, um, a lot has come up where I need to be here or I need to be there or, um, you know, this family member requires my assistance and they're over there. And so what it's allowed me to do is I drive my car to go to, to, to assist or to see or to help or to, to be there for a while, but I also have my house. So I'm not having to, think, Oh, where am I going to stay when I get there? Oh, I gotta, I need to book an Airbnb. Oh, how long am I going to be there for? I need to, you know, have this much budget so that I know, Oh, I just drive over, park my van. I have my house. I do my thing. This job came up. I didn't need to, um, you know, give notice to an apartment, um, and then move and find a new apartment and put up a bond. I just, filled up the gas tank, got on a ferry and showed up and started work the next day. Um, so just having like the flexibility, I guess, to the mentality of the last year of just being like, Oh, I'm just going to take what comes to me um, has made that easier. But the van has definitely allowed me to keep that mentality of, well, we'll just take opportunities as they come and we'll just roll with them. That's very cool. Yeah, I think that that's one thing we all take for granted or we don't really remember. So it's a great call out is the flexibility that we do have. I mean, I see it every once in a while. There's a snarky where someone's like, hey, does anyone know how to like prep for winter? We're going to have it. And they're like, move. And I, I don't really like those answers. That's not obviously a person's <laughs> option at the time. But it is funny how we have it in a way that I've never had because of everything you're just saying that if it's just for whatever reason, I need to make a pivot or a shift. There's just so many hoops and obstacles you have to go through. And in this lifestyle, you know, if it's just for whatever reason, you just feel moving to a different county, different city would make a big difference. And if you have that kind of remote position where you can do it, you have the lifestyle. Because nobody likes moving. Like literally packing no. things and unpacking. Like nobody enjoys that no matter what. And this lifestyle doesn't really have that. It has it a little, but not to the extent. And it really is. I, I, I think freedom is a word that comes up, you know, so much when people talk about having less and being a lot more mobile. And, and it doesn't mean you can't own a bricks and sticks. I always go back and say that, but just having a life that you have less and you're a lot more pliable and mobile, I think is a, is a different lifestyle that more people are finding out and, you know, gravitating to. And I think it's great. Yeah. It's just that, 
But for me, it's just the flexibility of it was not something I anticipated um, being as, I don't know, helpful as it has been. So, um, oh, car alarm. That's my first. <laughs> I don't think we've had a car alarm on the podcast, and which is amazing. I don't know who that is. I don't know where it is. Someone actually said to me the other day, we heard a car alarm and they said, oh, who has a car alarm around here? And I put my hand up and they went, oh, that's cute. Because it's just such a small, you know, comfortable, quaint little area. So, But it doesn't matter though. I guess I'm not the only one. Because what is the point of a car alarm? Did you go outside right now? Did you call 911? No. Did you investigate? No. Like what, exactly. does, what does it do? We All we do is get annoyed by it. Nobody goes out and looks. Yeah. You know, you're way better off having some sort of GPS tracker that it can at least tell you where your stuff is once it gets stolen because the loud noise isn't going to stop anyone from stealing. It's just, they're just, it's a nuisance. Yeah. Really. Well, it's so funny. Mine actually, uh, on my key fob, I have like it, um, alerts me That's so if smart. i'm within a couple kilometers i will be alerted so i like that because all my stuff's inside right. and i'm never too too far away from the van so it's more for me yeah. than anyone it's more to alert me than you know because i know no one's gonna even care yep. no one will stop everyone will look they'll wave you i honestly think you could do a video series of breaking into people's cars and alarms going off and you could wave and be like oh, i can't believe i did it again and people will be like okay take care and just walk on by and you just take yeah. them out of it. No one cares. Yeah. Hey, and then if, they steal everything. Exactly. They take everything out while the alarm's going off. Hey, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you online? If you have uh, an Instagram, YouTube website, whatever it is where people can find you, maybe ask questions, you know, especially, you know, being solo female kind of traveler. A lot of times I think that comes up. Um, where can people find you? And I'll write it down below. You don't have to write it down folks. It'll be in the show notes. Perfect. So um, I've got an Instagram. It's M's Van Life, E-M-S Van Life. Um, and for the most part there, I try and do van life reality. Um, you know, things aren't always great. I talk a lot about planning, design, layout, uh, and then obviously solo female van life. Um, and then I also have a blog, which is called simplesmallspaceliving.com. And that's all about living a compact lifestyle, how you can, you know, maximize your storage, um, ways to organize small spaces, ways to, you know, you know, change pillow cushions instead of changing your entire decor just for a new season kind of thing. Simple ways to to live simply, but to live small and not have it feel small. So, so that's where I mainly play around in those two spaces. That's very cool. Well, I mean, in every episode, I try to bring someone, you know, new and different because I think it's really important for people to hear from people that they can relate to. So for those of you that are Australian Canadians, you're welcome. Uh, I think I nailed it on this one. <laughs> Emily, I want to thank you for coming on the yeah, show and, and hanging out with me and telling your story. It was a, a lot of fun. And again, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Emily for coming on the show. And I really hope it inspires anyone that is transitioning locations or has a job that has a shorter work week or, you know, that four days on four days off type of job to look at the rootless living lifestyle as a real option. If you want more information about today's guests or you want to connect with them, you can click on the links in the show notes below and let them know you heard about them on the Rootless Living Podcast.
Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a great way of helping us get the word out. So if you're enjoying this, let's let other people enjoy it as well, too. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, yes, you, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I know you think, not you, but you. Please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.